0: you <laughs>
1: Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, October 20th, 2021. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by Matt Baxendale. Bax, a lot to get into today. Let's start with uh, – there's a lot of good news to get into. Let's start with some good news. Haskell Garrett and Cam Brown expected back for the Indiana game this week per Ryan Day. They were hurt a couple weeks ago against Maryland. Off week did them well. No surprise with Cam Brown. That looked like a maybe a concussion to me, so giving him – you know, a week off. That makes sense that he's back. I was a little concerned about Haskell Garrett. So really good news that the Buckeyes are expected to get Cam Brown and Haskell Garrett back.
0: Yeah, Garrett's been the senior offensive or defensive lineman that everybody's been praising this year. He's the leader of that group. Getting him back for a, what should be a pretty interesting stretch run is pretty critical in my opinion. So that that's a really nice thing for the Buckeyes to get back. Kind of like you, I figured Cam Brown would be back sooner than later. Getting Garrett back though, starting with the indiana game it's a great sign especially with penn state looming a week out here as well so you know you, you always talk about football season about how you know the bye week usually helps everybody get a little healthy and this year a lot of us were like man we just keep playing but at this point this is kind of the upside of getting that week off and uh having haskell garrett back will be a very big deal for the buckeyes down the stretch
1: yeah I, i've I actually like the depth at D-tackle. I mean, who, who knew Tyleek Williams was going to be doing what he's doing? Um, but, uh, yeah, but he's, you know, more of a, a one-tackle, though he's athletic to play the three-tackle. But, yeah, getting Haskell Garrett back um, is huge, not just for the Indiana game, but like you mentioned for Penn State and for the rest of the season. Let's hope his – uh looks like an ankle injury that he um, has been dealing with. It looks like he re-injured it against Maryland. So, hopefully, that's not something that's going to linger all year. But, you know, the truth of the matter is it's probably something that's going to linger all year. Let's just hope he's able to – play strong and play through it. Uh, Speaking of good news on the recruiting front, good news. Kenyatta Jackson, as expected, as we talked about on yesterday's show, picked Ohio State yesterday. Top 80 overall player in the country backs, the number seven edge rusher in the country. Uh, He's so good he vaulted Ohio State from eighth to fifth (laughs) in the team ranking, just from his commitment alone. Um, But more importantly, Ohio State is now less than a hundredth of a percentage point behind Alabama for the best class in the nation in terms of highest average player ranking. Ohio State has an average player ranking of 94.15. Alabama has an average player ranking of 94.24. Bax, your thoughts on Kenyatta Jackson committing to the Buckeyes? Your thoughts on this 2022 class overall for Ohio State?
0: Well, this is a Larry Johnson pool if there ever was one. Uh, You know, Jackson talked extensively about how, um, you know, Larry Johnson has repeatedly developed high-level players this is the value of the Bosa brothers. Just the value of Chase Young. the value of developing those edge rushers. Uh, Jackson, I think, was pretty effusive in his point and his praise of that this is a Larry Johnson development choice. And that's a great thing for OSU. He's a highly rated player. He's a guy we've been talking about for six months now as potentially being a Buckeye. You beat out some big Southern schools for him, so that's always a big thing, too. This is a great win for OSU. And like you said, it puts them right there with Alabama for the highest average player rating in the entire class. And for those of you who aren't familiar with what we're talking about, that means the schools that are stacking up three stars and have 25 commitments already for next year that maybe on sheer numbers might have a higher-rated class aren't going to be ahead of Ohio State, who always does this. They always are not the highest numbers. They're not like the SEC schools and trying to sign as many kids as they can and process them through. Ohio State signs a smaller number by a little bit not as bad as it used to be back in the major over signing days when Arkansas is bringing in 36 kids a year but Ohio State will have a smaller number but their rating is always higher it means they're getting more quality and there's been many years where Ohio State is the ratings champ on the average player rating and that's a good thing because it means you're not bringing in players that are less likely to contribute and While we all know recruiting, the higher your rating, just the better chance you have of being a contributor. It's never a guarantee in recruiting. This is a big time thing for OSU. The class of 2022 continues to shape up to the Ohio State standard, which is pretty straightforward. Your worst classes at OSU are somewhere between five and seven. Your worst classes at OSU are still loaded with players that most other schools in the country would fall all over themselves to get. The worst class at OSU in the last, probably 10 years that isn't a transition class like the one when Day took over for urban meyer or uh, vice versa whatever urban was uh taking over for uh the transition year even though that class turned out to be really good too um the worst classes at osu are better than most of the big 10 best classes so the recruiting machine at ohio state just continues to keep humming under ryan day and i don't see that stopping anytime soon
1: all right, we're bouncing around a lot today here on the show, but that's what we do here on the Bucknuts Morning Fan. We bounce around a lot, hit the hot topics, and move it along. I want to get into Ohio State's 2021 linebackers, this year's linebacking core. It's an interesting group. They, they seem to be trending in the right direction. However, they only have six healthy scholarship linebackers on this roster backs, and only four of them are actually playing. I mean, Paula EA Natioti, I guess, is playing a little bit. Uh, you know, Reed Carrico is playing a little bit. You know, Paula E.A. is the, obviously the transfer from USC. Reed Carrico, true freshman from Ironton. You know, what do you make of this group overall?
0: Well, I like the guys on the field a lot. Uh, they've continued to improve since the start of the season. Uh, I remember this is my biggest concern coming into the year. And seeing Cody Simon play at a high level has been really great. Uh, Taraja Mitchell is more than serviceable. He's made some nice plays this year. Um, doesn't quite knock my socks off, but he's, 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 he's solid, right? And then you've got Steel Chambers, who's really trending upwards in a really positive direction. Those are the three guys at this point that are sort of the ones that are making the impact, right? Those are the ones that we're going, oh, yeah, that's, 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 that's been a good play by the linebackers. And then you mentioned PG and Reed Carrico. They're not playing a ton. Seems like Tommy Eichenberg's kind of the fourth guy right now. And we're not really talking about the bullet position guys here either. But at the end of the day, you still only have six scholarship linebackers, which is lower than you would prefer to be at. And you've got a couple of them that have been banged up on and off over the course of the year, most especially Cody Simon. So I, I like what I've seen from the quality so far. I'm very concerned about the quantity because it feels in a little bit like we are one or two turned ankles or hurt shoulders or whatever away from OSU being right back to the threadbare, hold your breath linebacker status we were at the start of the year. And I, I like the development. Can't emphasize that enough. I mean, I, I think Still Chambers is shaping up to be a pretty special linebacker and Cody Simon's already there, but there's uh, there's some fear because you, the attrition factor could be really hard felt at that position as the season goes on. But uh, the linebackers from now versus the start of September, it's night and day.
1: I think if the top three guys stay healthy, they'll be fine. You know, with uh, Cody Simon, steel chambers, Taraja Mitchell, um, if those guys stay healthy, they'll be okay, because um, they're really only playing, you know, two true linebacker positions now with the bullet out there a lot, uh, with that being Ronnie Hickman or Craig Young, um, eventually, you know, Court Williams as he gets healthier and healthier. Uh, but really, there's only two linebacker spots. Al Washington talked about that yesterday. We, first time we talked to Al Washington since the preseason. Uh, it was nice to talk to him yesterday. He uh, took the podium right after Ryan Day Um I want to ask you about EA, the USC transfer. He goes by EA, and I like that. I'm going to call him EA because it makes it easier on me. I think I butcher his name all the time. Um, He goes by EA. We'll call him EA. Bax, what is going on with EA? When they, you know, obviously Al Washington was asked about this, and he kind of talked around it a little bit. When they talk around it, that tells me, I mean, there's something going on that's more than, you know, they're telling us. Um, I don't think that he's injured. He might have been a little dinged up earlier. Al Washington did kind of let it slip that, you know, maybe he needed to get his body in shape a little bit. He did have the knee surgery last year. And uh, so maybe it's a just getting into shape thing. There there was a lot of hype with this kid and he's not even seeing the field. If he's healthy, what's going on with him? Why is he not playing more in your opinion?
0: Well, you know, I think there's a couple things to think about. One, this is a kid who had that really weird transfer process over the summer. You don't know how he was able to have his offseason conditioning handled. Remember we talked about during COVID how, whenever they were having distancing and facilities closed for a while. Kids might not have been able to rehab at the same pace as usual. He's coming off a knee injury last year. He went through a transfer. He moved across the country. These are all very human things that can cause people in their jobs maybe not perform quite as well as they'd like, right? Same thing for this kid. And I think that's a big factor. I think the other thing is he didn't necessarily get a ton of reps in camp uh, in the early part of the season because we weren't sure if he was going to play. In fact, they denied his appeal at one point. So the fact that he's even available to play is a little bit of a surprise from where we thought we were at the end of the transfer situation. So I think that's a factor too. You know, at the end of the day, he, he, he was behind. He was behind from the start. And you had a couple guys who have been here longer, have been able to develop a little quicker. And I don't think it's necessarily that this guy who still has some years of eligibility remaining is a bust or anything. I just think it's a hard transition for him to make at a time where, you know, he wasn't probably at his healthiest and he underwent a lot of big changes in life. So I'm not writing him off by any means yet, by any means, but I do think he's going to spend the rest of the year
2: as
0: a depth option or a first option due to the fact that we've got some guys here performing and due to the fact that he's behind. And I don't think there's really much more to it than that. But I don't think Washington wants to come out and say, yeah, he was behind. And he wasn't quite in the shape we wanted him to be because of an injury last year. I think he's trying not to throw the kids under the bus like Brett Bielema.
1: Oh, good point with Brett Bielema. For those that have no idea what we're talking about there, get on YouTube, just you know, type in Brett Bielema, rips his players. Or just get on Bucknuts. We have a thread about it, I believe. We have a thread on everything. The front row message board is vibrant. If you're listening to this show and you don't get on the front row message board, get on the front row message board. It is by far the most vibrant Ohio State message board. I mean, by far. It's just crazy. I mean, hot topics will drop off the front page to the second page within a day. It's just, it's hard even keeping up on it. So if there's anything going on in Ohio State football or maybe the world in general, uh, you can find it on the front row message board. All right, a couple more topics to get into here, back, so we'll get you out of here, let you go do your, uh, your real job, which is being an engineer. All right, your thoughts on this matchup with Indiana. I've talked about a lot this week. You know, their offense is terrible. It wasn't even good when they had Penix without Penix. I mean, it was good last year with Penix. Something to look different with Penix earlier this year. He's going to be out for a while. He might be out for the rest of the year. They're not saying that, but they let it slip on the broadcast last week that it was a catastrophic injury, and I don't think the broadcasters were making that up. They're probably hearing that from Indiana's coaches who are not telling the media anything, but... Sounds like it's Jack Tuttle for the rest of the year. They're going to take the red shirt off of a true freshman. So their offense is a mess, but their defense is good. They're fast. They've got some true middle linebackers like McFadden that'll hit you. They've got some defensive backs that I think are really good. Their safeties will hit you. I mean, they're they're a good defense. The results haven't been there for them, but they've played a really tough schedule. I'm really curious to get your take on this matchup with Indiana backs.
0: Yeah, I mean, we Indiana's been a team that's played Ohio State tough the last couple of years, right? So there's a little bit of a built-in respect from an OSU perspective for Indiana, especially with last year with them you know, playing within a touchdown. It seems like every couple of years Indiana shows up and has a surprisingly tight game with OSU. The reality, though, is, is you, you touched on it. I don't know that their offense is anywhere near as threatening as it was last year whenever they were you know, scoring 35 points in OSU. I think it was 42-35. Michael Penix last year was a totally different player than we've seen this year even before his injury that you referenced, the reality is he wasn't playing anywhere near as good as I think we all thought he was. Um, And then if you look at some of their other big guys, I mean, how many yards did Ty Freifogel have against OSU last year? And he has not had the same kind of season. The reality is that Indiana's defense is solid. Indiana's defense is pretty good. And their offense continues to struggle. This is the type of offense that OSU's improving defense should have a strong showing against i'm talking less than 20 points i'm talking a lot of three and outs getting the ball back to osu's offense and indiana's defense while solid is they're not Georgia's defense or anything let's let's, let's classify them correctly they still have been shredded a few times this year pretty badly and you know i think we, we saw the best indiana had to offer when they played cincinnati tight back in september They've been beaten pretty good by Penn State. They've been beaten pretty good by Iowa. I think Ohio State's coming into this game. This could be a sort of game where OSU could walk out of this with like a 42-10 to 10 or a 49-14 to 14 kind of score, and it wouldn't surprise me because Indiana is the type of program that unless things are going right for them, they're probably not going to hang with Ohio State. So I have to think at the end of the day, OSU's matchup here in this game is, is – is, is, Offense versus defense, OSU's offense is in a great position to score on almost anybody, right? Unless it's Georgia or somebody like that on the other side of the ball, I'm not going to go, well, I hope OSU gets to 30. It's kind of a given with the way C.J. Stroud's playing, Travion Henderson running around, over, and through people, and the fleet of receivers OSU has. Indiana doesn't match up. They're they're a good middle-of-the-pack Big Ten defense. That doesn't match up to Ohio State's offense. The flip side of the ball is they don't have anything on offense that makes me think the Ohio State's revamped defense is going to struggle. I'm not sitting here and saying, wow, Indiana does X, Y, or Z particularly well. They have their starting quarterback out. Bottom line is OSU should be in a position here to have a nice result heading into what is an enormous game against Penn State in two weeks at home in the horseshoe under the lights, which I didn't know we were allowed to do against Penn State. I thought we got all the noon games at home. <laughs> And Penn State got all the 8 p.m. night games full of drunk people throwing balloons filled with pee at our band. So, yeah, this is uh, shaping up nicely for OSU going down the stretch. I think Indiana's going to be a nice opportunity for OSU to put a score up. And, by the way, don't fear the road night game factor. Indiana is pretty much Columbus West. Half that stadium is going to be wearing red for OSU, not for Indiana.
1: There's a threat on Indiana's board, Um with a lot of their people selling tickets because of their two and four start. Um, And you got to think Buckeye fans. It was already going to be a lot of Buckeye fans there. Buckeye fans are going to be buying those up. Indiana fans selling their tickets. All right. Last thing. Speaking of our board, the front row message board, interesting thread right now on the board and it's still on the front page. It hasn't dropped to the second page uh, yet. I don't think it will for a while. Bijan Robinson versus Travion Henderson. Who would you rather have? I find this debate interesting. Now, They're both absolutely tremendous. You could not go wrong with either one of them. They might be the two best running backs in college football. Bijan Robinson from Texas, who almost was a Buckeye, did give a silent verbal to the Buckeye and went back on it. He's a sophomore at Texas, obviously. Our guy, Travion Henderson, the true freshman sensation. So, again, I don't really think you could go wrong either way. Both those guys are studs at the collegiate level, and they'll be studs in the NFL. Give me Trey, though. Give me our guy. I'll take Trey if I had to pick one or the two. Uh, But, man, they're both tremendous. Who would you rather have? Bijan Robinson, who's a little built a little thicker, um, or would you rather have Travion Henderson?
0: Yeah, I'm with you on Henderson, but I'm going to be the simple pragmatist here. Uh, Henderson has two more years in college before he's eligible to go to the NFL. Robinson has one more year after this. So to me, that's a decisive factor, right? We have an extra year of, uh, of Henderson.
1: I just so think he's better, though. I, I, I hear I you know, with that. I know. I hear you I with know. that. Okay. Okay. I
0: know. That's where I was going, but you know, if we're playing sheer football nomics here, that's the guy I want regardless. But between the two, like you said, I think Robinson's a little thicker built. Uh, He's maybe a little more powerful. I almost think though that Henderson is such an explosive home run hitter, and I think Henderson is a little better at making people miss in the hole. You notice he's had a lot of times where he goes into a crowd and pops out, and you're like, whoa, where'd that come from, right? I think that extra shake is kind of what gives me the the, the the edge to Henderson. I also think he's a better pass catcher out of the backfield. So Robinson, I think, isn't quite the same home run hitter that Henderson is because Henderson can hit a home run in more ways. But obviously these are two elite players. I mean, if we're saying nice things about a player at Texas, that means he's good because we don't just generally default to feeling nice about Texas players. It's not like we're talking up. Michigan State's running back, or something, or you know, Pat Cincinnati on the head for something. I mean, we don't generally say nice things about Texas unless so forced to. So Robinson's a great player. There's 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 no doubt about it. But I would take Henderson right now after watching the two, and I, I I feel pretty good about that. And honestly, I think at the end of the day, we're going to look back and say Henderson had a more impactful college career than Robinson, barring either one of them having an unfortunate injury, which would just suck for the sport. So. I would put Henderson a hair ahead right now of Robinson,
1: and hopefully Henderson can get to the point where he's getting as many touches as Robinson does. My goodness gracious, Robinson gets like three times as many touches as Trey. But and look what, just like you said, I mean Trey's the ultimate home run hitter, and he's just going to get better. And he's actually better between the tackles than I expected. Um, like you mentioned, he can you know just you know surprisingly pop out of there. But even when he just has to grind out like four yards and there's really nothing there, he, he's he's a little more powerful than I thought. He's not as not as powerful as Robinson. Um, but you're right. I mean, you know, he can hit the home run at any time. I like the added dimension of throwing him the ball. I think that needs to be a staple in this offense going forward, and uh, I think it will. But, uh, yeah, I look forward to Travion Henderson getting more touches, and I, I certainly think he will down the stretch this season with all the tough games they're going to have. Well, great stuff, as always, from the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. You can catch us, call column every Sunday. It is the bucket. Thank you very much to Bax. Thank you to all listeners out there for tuning in to the show. We appreciate that very much. If you like the show, subscribe. Like it, give us a five-star review, it really helps. Thanks again to all the listeners. Thanks to Bax. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's try the Buckeye Swag, best damn band in the land.